Peter, I know who you are. I've had the privilege of knowing you uh, for a long time in my career and knowing, knowing of you even longer than that. Um, thanks for being here, first of all. My pleasure. And, uh, you know, you're my friend, and uh, I'm, I'm really, really happy to be here with you. Awesome. Well, likewise. And why don't you, for some of the folks that are um, they're where I was years ago, where they're hearing certain names pop up all throughout the industry, it's the same guys that are always on the and girls that are always on the same cover. I mean, magazines and and they're celebrities. I think that every industry has celebrities. Um, you know, I, I talk about sports. If we had to rename five celebrities from tennis to football to hockey to basketball or technology, we could do that. And in our space, we have celebrities. And you're among uh, the top of that list. For those people that don't know you, uh, one of my objectives is to get them to have the opportunity to know you, right? So. Why don't you tell people your background a little bit, and then I'm probably going to peel you back and scratch the paint all the way back as far as I get. Sure. Uh, to be honest with you, it's not all that exciting. It's uh, it's pretty trivial. Uh, I'm, I'm an electrical engineer by training. Uh, my background was uh, power electronics, and that's what I really uh, liked in college. Um, and then uh, my first job was exactly in that domain. It was a fasting job. It was a company that built power, the power electronic system for the uh, early U.S. fusion program. Uh, that was really a fun, cool job. Uh, uh, we built uh, the, uh, the power supply, the power supplies for the Tokomaks in, um, at MIT, at Cornell, at Princeton, at the General Dynamics, uh, General Atomic in San Diego. Um, that's when... Uh, um, the fusion was was supposed to uh, save the planet uh, and be the energy that will that will eliminate any other form of energy. It was um, it was a very exciting time. Uh, uh, at that time, uh, we we thought that we we're going to have fusion available to the world in a few years, and here we are, thirty years later, uh, and. Uh, and uh, we still don't have uh, fusion, but but it was a fun job. It was I really in, enjoyed it. That was my first real job. Uh, and then uh, um, then I when was that? I'm sorry. We, did you go to school in the U.S.? I thought no. You... I, I went to school. I, I went to school in Romania. Uh, I was born there, and, uh, and then we came here. And uh, I mean, I, I finished my. Uh, my engineering school uh, in Romania. The system is different. It's a five-year program. Um, and uh, when when did you graduate from college? I graduated from college in 1975. So in 75, back then you go through a five-year program in five, Romania. Yeah, five, yeah, right. And then you go right into like an EIT process so that you get ready to. To become a PE or how did it work? No, there, there is no. It's a totally different system. No, you you get the you get the job uh, right away, and I, I had the job there for um, a very short period of time because uh, my wife and I decided to uh, uh, to come here to to move to come to United States, and indeed we we came and uh, um, um, I start working and uh, at night I I got my MBA. 
took me a long time because it's hard to to get an MBA at night and while working and I was traveling and but uh, but I I did it and I'm glad I I I did it. Uh, so um, so after after that first company, I uh, I went I joined a, a small firm that manufactured the power supply, primarily for military application. Was this in Southern California? Yeah, it was in LA. Yeah, it was in LA. It was, uh, um, it was one of those companies that have built uh, the same standard power supply for years. So they really didn't need me. They really need, uh, they have standard product. Uh, it was well established. Uh, um, and um, I, uh, it was such a, such an easy job that, uh, you know the lack of stress in that job stressed me so badly that uh, I, I couldn't take it. So the lack of stress stressed you out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. And uh, so I uh, uh, I left after six months and I, I joined a little company that was one of the early pioneers of the uh, uh, um, solar photovoltaic business. Uh, it, uh, it it uh, it made uh, infrastructure components to go uh, uh, to complement uh, uh, solar panels. Uh, it was, you know, those were the early days of uh, uh, solar solar power, solar energy. It was interesting, but uh, it was way ahead of its time. It, uh, it didn't it didn't live very long. Uh, so uh, the next, my next stop was a company. Let me back you up if I can. I'm not trying to continuously interrupt oh. you, but like, Peter, what point did you realize, like, I want to be an engineer? Um. Early on, my father was an engineer, uh, although a chemical engineer. He he was hoping that I'll become a chemical engineer, and I hated I hated chemistry. I just I was not very good, but I liked physics. Uh, that was my favorite uh, uh, discipline, and uh, um, it's an it was a natural thing for uh, for me. I I don't have any talent. I cannot uh, play music. I uh, I'm not very good at. Uh, uh, drawing or arts or in, anything else, uh, um, but uh, but I enjoyed math and physics, and uh, that was a natural thing for me. Um, and uh, I always liked uh, I always liked uh, to study. I really enjoyed uh, uh, my my years in college. I really liked uh, uh, electrical engineering. Uh, um, and my my discipline, as I said, uh, was power electronics. That was a field that uh, served me well in my career because uh, pretty much everything I have done in my first twenty some years of my career were, were uh, in power electronics. You know, when I was very fortunate, uh, uh, we came to this country, and uh, I was able to get the job two weeks after uh, uh, after arriving here. Uh, so, how did that whole process go? Because you said you and your wife decided to be here. Is she from Romania as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, my wife and I met uh, in our freshman year in high school. Ooh. So uh, we've been together for, you know. Uh, still just getting to know each other, it sounds like. Yeah, we're, we're still working on it. Uh, <laughs> uh, eventually, I think we're going to get to know each other. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, uh, I mean, we started dating really uh, um, the the summer between uh, between high school and college, but uh, we knew each other. We grew up in the same neighborhood. And we had the same friends. Uh, Do you guys always want to come to the states? Uh, Is that one yeah, of the things? Yeah, I, that... I always wanted to come to the states. Why I was that? 
I don't know. There was some uh, some fascinating uh, fascinating thing about this uh, uh, United States. Uh, I grew up with with that, and uh, by the time I was probably uh, fifteen, sixteen, I said that's that's what my my future ought to be, and I actually I always wanted to be in California. It just why California? Um, I think uh, either. Hollywood uh, No, no, more like a more like a Beach Boys and uh, uh, um, you know, the fact that it never rains here and uh, yeah, yeah, a and uh, a few other uh, a few other reasons. But uh, I uh, were you still uh, trying to pursue that modeling career at the same time, and it just lent yourself to that's where right. Yes, you'd be a model, and, and if that and, uh, movie back. star. Yeah, no, I, I, it took me about fifteen minutes to realize that I'm not going to be a movie star in Hollywood, so I'm, uh, I better do something else. Uh, you know, when we arrived here, you know, my wife and I we had about fifty dollars between the two of us. Uh, and then uh, our lucky uh, our lucky break was that uh, they lost my suitcase. That's a lucky break because they gave me they gave me fifty dollars. In those days, the airlines were a lot more generous, so they gave me a fifty dollars, and uh, I got back my my suitcase the next day. But but our net worth doubled in one night, and I said, "Boy, this is a great country." Uh, How about uh, that? What year was that? Do you think? If that you graduated in 75. Yeah, that was 78. Okay. So you worked there for a few years, and then you and your wife were like, die with this. We're moving to America. In fact, we're going to L.A., where it's cheap to live. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to yeah. go. Uh, Did you, was there like a Romanian population there at the time? No, no. Was a family? I, or? No, uh, I had a, an aunt uh, um, and... Uh, a couple of cousins that uh, uh, lived uh, in uh, in LA, so uh, they were very helpful. They, they helped us uh, uh, initially. But uh, look, um, I cannot I cannot say enough about this country. I don't think that uh, um, I was so fortunate, so lucky. Uh, but but I don't think that uh, our fortune would have been the same in any other parts of the world. I mean, what this country gave me and gave my family is is uh, unique there no no country is like america no country can give a, a poor immigrant that doesn't barely speaks english and uh, doesn't have any money doesn't have any background doesn't have anything and uh, gave me so much and uh, you know i was able to uh, you know sure i i had to work hard i had to uh, um to uh, to <laughs> pay my dues but uh, but uh, Nowhere else uh, a person can achieve what uh, uh, someone can achieve in this country. I cannot. Listen, that, this, uh, that's an amazing I'm, story. I had no idea about that part. It's super inspiring. And I do want to take that all away because you came here. I had no idea how humbling it was. It sounds like your early start. And I'm sure at that time you never thought, hey, one day I'm going to be the CEO of the number one you know, design firm in the world on data centers. And have it acquired by HP. So, like, I want to go all the way back. You were, you were talking about how you came over here, and within a few weeks you got a job, right? Which is fantastic. And then um, you were stressed out because it was so boring. You didn't have enough stress to be fulfilled. So you went and you found a job in advanced sciences that still is emerging technology that doesn't have the. I mean, it has an adoption rate that's probably way different than it was back in your early day. But, like. It, I want to tie together, see if I could discover if you became an electrical engineer because of your fascination with energy and power and the grid as a whole, or you know, you know, all these alternative forms of energy, or like 
march me along that path because you went there and then you were bored and I interrupted you. Well, it's a it's a discovery process. Uh, I mean, as you as you grow professionally and as the world changes around you, you discover things and you learn things and uh, you adjust your your uh, focus and you adjust your your interests. So, when I started. Uh, um, um, ironically, it was uh, in the middle of the oil crisis uh, after the after the Middle East uh, embargo, and uh, I remember uh, people queuing uh, at the gas stations, and uh, that's when uh, all of a sudden solar power infusion became important. Um, but then, but then my next job uh, was a company called Teledyne, Teledyne Inet. Um, at that time, that was the the premier power electronic uh, uh, firm that uh, got into what is known today as UPSs. UPSs, uh, untroppable power supplies, um, and then those are the very early days of data centers. Uh, it was a different 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 now we're definition. In the 80s. Yeah. yeah. Is that like the Teledyne was, become power which became Eden? Where no, no, go? that was uh, that was uh, uh Exide, Exide Electronics. Teledyne uh, Teledyne kind of disappeared. It was it uh, it probably had the best engineering team. Uh that that, that doesn't include me, but uh, there were uh, uh Terrific engineers there that designed them probably the most the most advanced the most reliable uh, UPS system in the world at that time. The problem was it was the company was not geared towards mass production. Uh, it was almost everything was uh, custom built, and you cannot. This is not a sustainable business model. And unfortunately, after a number of years, uh, it kind of. Uh, uh, Died because it was overtaken by companies like Liebert, uh, Emerson, uh, um, MGE. Uh, back well, well, yeah, that's that was uh, uh, MGE because it became uh, you know, acquired a couple of a number of number of companies. EPE became MGE, became uh, uh, became uh, Schneider Electric, and so on. Uh, but uh, but it was it was a fun thing, and uh, uh, after a few years of working at Teleline. I, mo- I became chief engineer uh, for the uh, 400, 400 hertz production line. 400 hertz were, uh, in, in those days, uh, we still had uh, the big uh, IBM mainframe, the uh, 3070, uh, the 370s and 8081s, uh, and they're running on 400 hertz because, uh, they, they, because of the footprint. Uh, so uh, I designed these uh, uh, UPS systems for, for these kind of applications. That's also uh, uh, power converters for aircrafts, for military. It was, it was a variety of products, but the main focus was UPSs. And uh, it, gave me, it gave me the first glimpse of what the data center is. Uh, those were the golden days of uh, data center, the early days. Uh, fascinating times. Uh, um, the only is this mid-80s? What is this? That or... was mid-80s. Mid-80s. Who were around? I mean, was it like Exodus? Was Were they around back no, in those days? No, 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 none of them. Uh, the It was all banks and financial institutions uh, the biggest uh, uh, the biggest customers were uh, were uh, the major banks uh, that's that's when the uh, they all operated with uh, IBM mainframes and uh, it was still uh, the 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 
time of mainframes distributed didn't came around yet. Um, and, uh, um, you know, but also some government agencies, Social Security, the IRS, and uh, companies like these that are uh, the early adopters of uh, uh, computer technologies. What were they doing back then? Was it just block redundant two in? No, they didn't do it. No, no, none of them existed. None of them existed. Uh, uh, the, the concept of uh, uh, dual core and uh, uh, um, redundant, uh, reliability definition was totally different. It was it was it was uh, you know uh, <laughs> a wild wild uh, west when it comes to data centers. You called it the golden ages. <laughs> yeah. So well, the, so it was all enterprise data centers. It was all. It was all, it was all enterprise uh, data centers. A few of them. Um, it was interesting. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, uh, maybe I shouldn't say that, but but in those days, for for these type of companies, for the big uh, banks, big financial institutions, uh, um, the the data center in itself, and in particular their uh, power protection, uh, was the single most important thing. Uh, they could they absolutely could not afford to. Um, fail. Um, was it from the downtime or the damage that a uh, spike in the grid could... No, no. Uh, don't, uh, the the reliability of the box, it was... Uh, uh, it's not... It's different than now in the, those days. Uh, SCRs or capacitors or uh, or uh, the output filter will fail and uh, that uh, translates into the whole thing. There is no... There is no Redundancy in the way we define it uh, uh, today. Uh, it was uh, the UPS was it. Uh, if the UPS failed, uh, the whole thing failed. And on the other hand, uh, the the concept of seven by twenty four was uh, didn't quite exist. Um, companies would uh, shut down their whole data center for uh, for an know, upgrade or for, for service. testing for servicing. Yeah, for a few times a year, um, um, and. Um, you know, I got my first glimpse of that, and um, I spent about ten years at Teledyne, uh, uh, almost. So I learned quite a bit. Uh, uh, where, did because Teledyne, where was it based out of in Southern in California? In LA. It was in LA. So yeah. and did was it close to where like where you lived and stuff? It I, was. Um, I don't know, half an hour. It was a it was a, a decent uh, decent commute. I got you. Uh, you know. Um, Emerson was Emerson was also there. Uh, there were a number of uh, a number of uh, companies in this domain that uh, that uh, were in the part of California. Um, and it was a fun time. Uh, it was uh, interesting. Uh, um, and then um, and then after as I said about ten years, uh, eight ten years uh, of that, I moved to. Uh, I decided that uh, it's time for me to get a little closer to the uh, to the data center. Um, action and I joined a small consulting firm uh, that did nothing but but data centers. It was a small firm called uh, PRK. It was based in uh, Redondo Beach in uh, around okay. LA. PRK. Um, it had one one founder and uh, the the partner, and uh, um, I became the junior partner there. Um, is that is that shop still rolling? Peter no, Kim? no, no, it, it, no. It, it's not around anywhere. It disappeared a long time ago. Uh, but um, um, we had we had a bunch of uh, uh, really high um, big names clients: uh, um, Merrill Lynch and Bankers Trust, New York Stock Exchange, uh, Bank of America, uh, Wells Fargo, Charles Schwab, Fidelity Investments, and um, I. 
I spend half of my time, maybe not half, but at least 25% of my time in New York City. We had an office in New York, one in uh, California, uh, and I spent a lot of time in New York. I had an apartment in New York, and I would go there regularly to run our office in the, in New York City and uh, spend a lot of time uh, coordinating and managing uh, these uh, maintenance activities uh, uh, Go to New York Stock Exchange and shut down the whole uh, the whole floor, and uh, test their infrastructure, the UPSs, the uh, the uh, switchgears, circuit breakers, the, the whole thing. We did the uh, bill of health uh, uh, at least four times a year. It was it was tough. Uh, Twenty four hours of uh, going straight in, in the middle, of, uh, starting in the afternoon, and go twenty four hours in the week. Uh, I would say they just do them on weekends, I guess, when the yeah, markets on, were closed. On, yeah, yeah, weekends. And uh, but the same thing for uh, for these financial institutions. They could uh, they could, would shut down uh, for uh, a number of hours uh, on a Saturday night and uh, uh, get back online on on Sunday when the the market would, markets will open in Japan. Or, um, I um, I learned quite a bit. Uh, that was the best learning experience. Uh, um, I I had my my uh, um, intimate knowledge of the of the of the UPS systems. Uh, I I knew uh, I was involved in designing the first uh, static transfer switches, for instance. I mean, um, how old were you then? How old were you when you're involved with those like early stages where you're? I'm a, I was in my early thirties. So when you came here from Romania, were you already married? You and your yeah, wife? Yeah, we we got married uh, right after college uh, in in Romania. Did you already have kids rolling by then too? No, no. Okay, we had kids much later. We we could not afford to have kids, and uh, <laughs> uh, it's uh, you know it takes a while uh, to establish to build. Uh, Sure, <coughs> we're happy to get the, to buy a car uh, at one point. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, as I said, it was a journey. It was, uh, but it was a, uh, you know, uh, uh, I think back with my uh, my life and my career, and uh, you know, uh, I, uh, I I still wonder how how lucky and how blessed I was. You know, it, uh, I, you know, obviously I owe most most of it to my wife. Uh, that she was, she put up with me all these years, and uh, it was hard for her because I was traveling so much and I was, I was working uh, so much for her to. Uh, she was working and she raised two wonderful, wonderful kids, uh, uh, and uh, you know we're still we're still. Your grandparents uh, now. You had three grandkids. I have three grandkids. The, you know, the sunshine of my life. Uh, and your kids uh, went to school. Like you, um, your daughter went to Northwestern yeah. and then to uh, law school in, uh, at, at Cal. And at then Cal. And you had a son, son that broke the cardinal sin. Yeah, right? yeah, it, yeah. It, it was hard for him. He went to UCLA. We're still big UCLA fans uh, uh, to these days. And uh, but after UCLA, he went to uh, to. Um, uh, USC Business School, <laughs> which, which was uh, uh, probably a, a difficult transition for him. So when you came to the U.S. with your fifty dollars in your pocket and ended up getting lucky and doubling what you were you're valued at, were you like, hey, in um, in a few years from now, we're going to send kids to the most expensive colleges, like you paid for? I mean, I can't imagine how much money gets laid out for those types of schools, but business school. Uh, undergrad school for two and law school, you're probably like, yeah, we got this. 
America's amazing. This all work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I had my doubts. My wife didn't. She was always very, very positive, and she always, always, uh, she always said that uh, we're going to be all right. Uh, and, That's uh, awesome, man. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting journey, and uh, you know, were you just I, heads down the whole time? That I mean, because you came here with nothing. You were obviously had a chip on your shoulder. You were hungry. You had your engineering degree. You wanted to go come become a PE, which you eventually did. You fell in love with the data center side of design, and now you're driving innovation within it by you know pushing, you know, or advancing designs around STSs. Like, what was fueling you the whole time? Like, what was this passion coming from? Well, I don't, you know, it's it's hard to say, but I was always interested in in the new stuff, uh, innovation was, I always look for the next big thing. It's just, uh, uh, <laughs> um, ultimately, you know, uh, you look at uh, um, how any business evolves. Uh, who said that? Uh, I think Gretzky. Uh, I don't. I don't skate where the puck puck is. I skate where the, the puck going. is going to be. Going to be. Yeah. Right. So uh, I always looked for the next big things. And uh, uh, when he started uh, UIP, you know. Um, Did you go straight from that uh, P something K thing? Yeah, okay, that, yeah. You went straight from there to UIP. What was he? Is that the next transition that you did? Yeah, that was the next transition. How uh, did you find them? Because they were an architect firm, right? Well, I decided that it's time for me to to get my own shop. Uh, my partner um, was not interested in growing the business uh, and we had some other some other issues. Um, and I decided that it's time for me to move on, but I didn't have the capital to start. It's uh, starting a, a business like this that requires a fair amount of capital because uh, you have to hire people, you have to pay them, and uh, you start you need to get start start uh, doing projects, get clients, and it's six months to twelve months until you start getting revenue. So, uh, so uh, I did some uh, some uh, consulting work for this company called uh, EYP. Uh, architects and, and they also had an engineering group, but they wanted to get into the data center space. Uh, uh, and um, talked to them, and uh, we agreed that this is the ideal, the uh, ideal arrangement. Uh, so we built a separate division of this company. Uh, I called it uh, uh, UIP Mission Curricular Facilities. As a matter of fact, I copyrighted the name. Uh, I own the name Mission Critical Facilities. Uh, I obviously never collected and I never went after anybody, but... Uh, wow, <laughs> uh, I had no idea. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I knew everybody in this industry. Not everybody, but I knew all the good engineers and I was able to hire them quickly. That was end of uh, the... The twentieth century, ninety seven, so ninety eight, and I, 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 saw the the big thing coming. I saw the inter, uh, the the internet uh, coming and uh, what it meant, uh, and that's why I really wanted to to start my own firm. I, I knew that it was you knew there was going to be an explosion for demand. It, it's going to be big, yeah. Uh, and uh, but then before that, it was the the Y two K, and uh, um, I decided that it might not be a bad idea to monetize that. So we built the first. 
the first infrastructure group dedicated to data centers that would go out and I don't know if you probably don't remember it was too long for a young guy like you. No, no, I I know exactly where I was and how big of a deal it was. Yeah, but uh, uh, you know everybody was trying to to test all their equipment because the the fear that uh, when the The clocks would roll over, uh, everything would uh, would start at zero. UPS will shut down and the um, the the crack and the chillers will shut down and the BMS will die and so on. So we formed these these uh, these teams and uh, a little task force that went we around and checked. Working seven by twenty four, everybody wanted us because we're the first one to do that. Uh, uh, we just didn't have enough enough people. We couldn't hire uh, enough people. And the next step was. Um, was the dot com explosion? And, uh, well, real quick though, going back to so EYP had in a design like an MEP shop, but they were big A. I mean, they were yeah, yeah. It's it was a big architectural firm, and they have some uh, uh, some good engineers on the uh, on the engineering side, but uh, they were doing uh, mostly college and universities, and uh, they were doing some work for AT and T. Not necessarily data centers, uh, but uh, things things related to the, the telecom business. But they really wanted to uh, um, to go more aggressively after the technology space, and uh, um, you know we had this uh, arrangement, and uh, um, you know I, I was the founder with my my co-founder was the the president of uh, of the architectural firm, and uh, he was my partner and my friend. Uh, and uh, so we started this uh, this uh, this group, and that grew very rapidly. Uh, once again, it was all about uh, getting people. Uh, was that the biggest challenge back then? Is yeah, for us it was the biggest because we had we I, I think we built uh, I don't know we designed I don't know probably thirty forty percent maybe more of all the dot com. Sure, uh, Exodus was our uh, biggest uh, biggest client. Uh, and, but we worked for a bunch of other. We worked for AT and T and for uh, Globex, for uh, um, 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 Global uh, Global Crossing. Uh, I mean, it was a uh, it was a long list, probably twenty different companies. Was it a pretty like a lot of those those guys and girls that you were starting off with back in those days? Are you still friends with a lot of those people? All I mean, of them. Okay, so uh, all of them. Yeah, yeah. It's, for me, it's the most re- rewarding thing. The absolute most rewarding thing, going around and uh, and um, talking to ex UIP people, and I heard that at least ten times, maybe more, uh, people saying that the best year of my career was my year at uh, UIP. Uh, it was a nice environment. Uh, I think people liked there, and people like to work for for a winner for a company that is doing well. And uh, the company had a very very good reputation. Uh, um, Grew very rapidly. We opened offices all over the country. From uh, yeah, we're all. You guys had New York, London. I thought you guys had. We had an office in London. We have an office in you know, New York, Washington, uh, Chicago. uh, Were you only doing data centers, or were you primarily mostly mostly data centers? Ninety percent was data centers. So you guys were the preeminent data center experts. And who who did you have to run into? Like who were you? Were you and like Siska Hennessy stumbling? Yeah, into they were each- there, but uh, but we were the only the at that time the only firm were hundred percent dedicated to data centers, and we had more more engineers. Uh, you know, you know this better than anybody. Uh, 
uh, building, uh, designing a data center is a is a delicate thing. Uh, uh, you cannot afford to to make mistake there. A mistake there is catastrophic, and the design costs a lot of money, and it's also very disruptive. And uh, so uh, you have to have experienced people. So how do you get experienced people in the in the domain that doesn't, you know, there is no college or university which uh, which <laughs> data uh, experience yeah so so what did you do so um i pretty much hired all everybody i knew that had any kind of experience in the data centers first and then uh, we develop a program to train people uh, uh and uh, uh a lot a lot of them uh, grew to uh, to become some of the top engineers in this domain, and they still operate to this day. Um, some of the engineers were uh, uh, part of the uh, EYP engineering group, the original engineering group, were also very talented, and they stayed with the company, and uh, uh, they became part of the core uh, 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 engineering management team. Uh, but uh, you what know, was the goal when you did that though was it to be ahead of the curve for the industry but did you always have like did you plan on being like uh when hp came in and well that was later but uh but at least for me it was always to be the best there is uh, if you do something you better do it better than anybody else otherwise do something else uh nobody can be the best at everything. So you pick a, a domain, a niche if you want, and work on that, specialize in that, and then then uh, you can control the market. Uh, and that's what that's what I was trying to do. Uh, and um, but also this innovation uh, drive. Uh, you know, good example was. Uh, Right now, everybody's using that. But uh, uh, Exodus, uh, the, the head of engineering at Exodus, uh, um, came to me once and said, uh, you know, um, these designs, uh, in those days, uh, you had 2N architecture, two big systems. Uh, but uh, um, it was very difficult to scale. Uh, when a bank b builds a data center, they pretty much know what the load is, and uh, uh, and you can design and build based on uh, those expectations. A early colocation business like uh, Exodus or Equinix or uh, uh, Level Three, or they were the players, uh, big players in those days. They don't know who who the next customer is going to be, how big it's going to be, how long it's going to take. So he came to me and said, "I want some." a design that will uh, enable me to uh, to to grow as the business grows and I don't have to invest um to buy all this equipment day one and uh, and keep it idle for for years so that's 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 when I came up with the the, the concept of uh uh, block redundant. Uh, that block redundant, uh, which is and became distributed redundant, and uh, pretty much probably ninety percent of uh, all the data center being to, uh, built today uh, have that kind of architecture. But that's how it started, and uh, it was uh, it was adopted to everybody. Was there like an uptime? Like, what was the authority that said this is this tier, or like? This is what the criteria means to, you know, be classified as X, Y, and Z. Like, this is early stage. I mean, everything was it's well, well west. I still feel like it is sometimes, right? It's still evolving and changing so vastly. Yeah, but back in those days, you guys were really, div you know, making it as you went. We were pioneering. Yeah, it, right? it was, and it was all 
it was a race. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, if you look at uh, um, how the business was conducted before, uh, building a data center for a financial institution, for instance, uh, um, would take a couple of years. It was a very elaborate process, a very, very uh, um, uh, clearly defined uh, um, process. It was, uh, it was very expensive. Uh, you know, it was not unusual in the uh, in the mid to late nineties uh, for a data center to cost. Uh, Twenty million, $20 million dollars uh, per megawatt. Uh, and how but, big were you guys built? How big were the data centers back in those days? That you guys were designing like three, uh, six, uh, nine. Uh, a three megawatt data center was a big data center. Yeah, for sure. Now uh, <laughs> that's now a rounding a, error, right? Yeah, now now it's a edge data center. Um, but who was the validation for you guys? Like people just said, "Hey, Peter's done a lot, and these data centers look great, and are they run great?" That's the validation. Is the experience? Yeah, there was. There was no. There, there is no. Uh, um, entity organization that will uh, uh, will validate that. Uh, um, as a, actually, we did a lot of validation. We did, did a lot of evaluation of uh, existing data centers or data centers that uh, were to be upgraded and modified. Um, the Uptime Institute play a, a very significant role, and uh, I cannot, I can uh, not. Uh, ignored the role they played primarily um, uh, Ken Brill and Pete Turner that uh, uh, they were the original developer of the of the dual court concept uh, they uh, they aggressively um, lobbied the uh, the computer manufacturers to change their design and uh, and use uh, dual court um, and to a great degree, that has something to do with the work we did. Uh, we're the first firm ever to develop engineering design firm to develop a a, a um, model and uh, technology to um, to quantify reliability of data centers. We have this program to uh, um, do uh, uh, do reliability modeling and quantify performance, quantify uptime. Uh, with respect to to cost associated with that, uh, you can always um, build the most reliable data center in the world uh, by building redundancy on top of redundancy. But what does it mean in terms of cost, and how do you optimize the ratio between reliability and cost, and energy and energy efficiency to a certain degree? And that was one of the things we were able to do through this uh, uh, through this uh, program and. Uh, um, and then came the validation from uh, the Uptime Institute that uh, they came up with the, the the tier system. But that's more of a guideline of how to how to build a data center. Uh, so it was uh, it was a fascinating. Uh, what was your favorite process. part of that whole EYP? Like the from the time you went there, and there's no doubt. I mean, how many people have gone on to? Because EYP eventually had their own commissioning practice too, right? Yeah, and yeah. that's no, it off. was very early. Uh, that was it started. Uh, Probably the first person I hired at EYP was uh, someone I knew uh, from my uh, earlier days uh, that uh, was a commissioning expert. And uh, I brought him in, and uh, we started the commissioning uh, process. And, uh, you know, I got all the, <laughs> all the clients uh, that we had from the previous firm because... <laughs> 
because they you they can sell design to them. Yeah. They get no, they they knew me and uh, we worked together and uh, and uh, the old firm I left uh, uh, closed doors six months later because uh, all the business migrated to the new UIP. Uh, but uh, yeah, we built a commissioning program and uh, I mean we did a lot of interesting things at UIP. We were the first firm to uh, to attempt to bring the bri- to um, bridge the gap between uh, between facility and uh and technology uh to uh, uh the the whole process of the process of designing a data center is uh, is a lot more complicated and complex than than just designing the facility uh it starts with uh with the the, the whole evaluation of the it needs uh, um, um, companies in those days, even today, I have a difficult time translating uh, bits into uh, uh, and MIPS into kilowatts. And uh, yeah, it's a crystal ball, or it's a gas, or yeah, it's there are two different domains. And uh, um, we built a uh, uh, a group within the company that uh, uh, would uh, help companies bridge that gap. And uh, how long? How long from the time that you went to EYP and? Uh, created you know mission critical facilities and then you started just there was this massive sprawl of the market and a huge groundswell with what you're doing you're finding well, the people yeah, you need. Yeah. and then how how long was it running until you got to the point where like was the soup done cooking and there wasn't any more things you could add because you had the design you know upstream to everything in the middle to the commission at the end and you even started the consulting stuff that that's where you're going at now, right? That was to make the business case to justify exactly what the design needed to be, right? right? But but it was it was a bumpy road, uh, uh, simply because uh, you know the dot com started uh, in '99 or so. Uh, by 2000, after 9/11/2001, it died. I mean, it, uh, that was the the nuclear winter of. Uh, so of, what happened then? Do you guys then? Like, uh, how did so, you survive it? Well, we're the only firm. That uh, there are other firms uh, that uh, that uh, started doing data center work because the demand was so great, uh, uh, triggered by by the dot com explosion. But uh, the difference was that we still had our traditional uh, clients, uh, the Chase and the uh, Citicorp and uh, uh, the big financial institution, New York Stock Exchange, and so on. So and they were growing no matter what. So they they continued to grow and they continued to to have needs for, uh, and we were able to keep pretty much all all engineers. Other firms uh, um, were forced to um, lay uh, people off and so on. And uh, how big were, in terms of people did EYP reach that scale? Was it? Three, four hundred. Yeah, no, yeah, at least four hundred engineers and uh, That's plus huge. support to support. But we have some, I don't know, seven or eight offices in the United States. We had, we had a presence in. Uh, we have an office in London. We had a presence in uh, uh, China in um, Dubai. We did a lot of work in Sao Paulo, Brazil. I mean, uh, it was uh, it was a global. It was a really a global firm. It was very profitable. It did very well, and then. Uh, uh, right around the time when the whole business collapsed, uh, a private equity firm uh, based in Boston came to us and said, uh, we want to invest in your firm. Uh, at that time, General Electric uh, also wanted to buy uh, uh, EYP. But I, you know, we, 
we wanted to still have control. We still uh, felt that uh, there is room to grow, and uh, we, we felt that uh, being uh, absorbed by GE would destroy the, the company or destroy the culture. And, um, Was that the number one thing that you were focused on there? Well, no, I always I always wanted to be in the middle of the action. I was very much involved in the design and the uh, conceptual thing, but uh, but also nurturing uh, uh, our our people, uh, mentoring, uh, um, building building our offices, uh, and uh, um, working with uh, with. Uh, uh, our engineers was my my top priority, and I really I really uh, uh, like that. And to this day, uh, um, there are you know hundreds of engineers operating at various firms. Some of them some of them start their own firm, very successful, extremely successful. Some of them are working for some of the big hyperscalers, or uh, oh yeah. Uh, um, yeah, some of them work for other firms. But um, I. Uh, I, I stay in, in touch with uh, many of them, and uh, um, uh, I don't think there is anybody that ever worked with me that uh, I, I don't have a good relationship with, which is um, very fortunate, and uh, I take great pride uh, from from my uh, relationship with uh, uh, with the EYP people. So it was well, a big deal. It's a, it's a very important thing for me and for my my career. I don't know. Uh, I said this on one of the other podcasts. We were talking about like I don't know if there's a data center operator that has had a more profound impact on our space than digital, right? Because look how look at how many you know CEOs that we have for other operators right now that had once at one point worked at digital, or some of them have gone on to work at right. big you know members of the hyperscale or enterprise. But I I don't know. Uh, there was a few of us that were having a oh cheers by the way. Cheers. Salute. This is, uh, you're going to have to tell me about, you have to finish that story about your McAllen journey and how that whole thing went down. But this is a, I brought this, uh, this is a gift that Laramie Doris, you know Laramie, back when his Cyrus one day yeah, yeah, is yeah, yonder yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So I think he got me this as a birthday gift and I've been waiting for the right opportunity to open it well, up. Well, so. that's very kind of you. That's well, very nice coming. of you. But, but you should keep it for more no, no, we uh, uh, we actually poured half. Talking to me. We poured half the bottle out and filled the rest with iced tea before you got here, just because. <laughs> so, no, but like going back, I don't know. Um, EYP has probably had one of the biggest impacts from the design side on our space. How many people? I mean, like, did you hire like James Warren and Chris Kirchian right out of college? Were they like brand new green engineers when you were scooping up people like that? Because those are the, you know, there's a lot of firms now that. Um, their repu I'm not saying that KW is an example, but there are a lot of places that you will sit down and they'll be like, oh, I'm with this company. I'm like, sorry, I've heard of that. And they're like, well, we used to, a bunch of us came from EYP and that's like the instant validation. Oh, okay, well then you guys are legit, you know? So <laughs> it really did help have a huge impact on our industry because a lot of your engineers that have gone through the EYP, you know, culture or, or evolution in their own professional journey have somehow ended up you know, like um, Zupan at you know an yeah, Apple, or you know, there's a million people yeah. that are scattered throughout the industry. Yeah, and they're very good. You know, James uh, Warren and uh, Chris Jordan, extremely successful, sure. great engineers. Uh, did you get them right out of college? Where did you get those two from? No, no, they. Uh, I don't even remember. Uh, I think uh, I, I don't remember, but uh, I got you. Uh, there are, you know, I. I, I wonder I, how many I, of them started with you. And, uh, they are still close friends of mine, and sure. uh, I, I always try to help them. And uh, there are many others. Uh, um, it's uh, 
as I said, it's a journey. It's uh, uh, it takes a while to build it. Uh, uh, Did you have any other big challenges or setbacks like that, like September 11th or the dot com boom that you had to ride through before? You know, was there any ever point in time in which you're doing this and you're like, because that's exposure, right? You have multiple offices, you have hundreds of souls that you're responsible for making sure that you're helping them feed their family. So all of a sudden you have these huge things that you can't forecast, right? Yeah, well, yeah. That's uh, not industry related. It's not like the pent up demand of technology shrunk. It's just. Yeah, right. The black swan, like uh, 9-11 had such, a, such an impact. So that uh, the one to punch between uh, dot com implosion and uh, uh, 9-11 and uh, the business, uh, you know, stop. And that that was a difficult time uh, in uh, in our in our lives. Uh, what did you learn most about yourself during that time, though, or your partners, or your team? Yeah, keep your faith. Uh, if you if you really believe in something and uh, you, you you think that you're doing. Uh, um, your 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 job your your profession uh, has value does something good for for the world and for society keep doing it because it's going to get better I mean that's uh, um, you know look uh, I, I'm you know I'm not it's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback but I was convinced through all these years that that the world uh, is is going to be dominated by uh, by digital uh, the the digital transformation that occurs slowly um, was the the most important thing of uh, uh, happening and uh, from a from a business standpoint in the well in the DCAC last year you said something on stage and we're going to get to that before you leave today but it was uh, you're like yeah basically in five or arbitrarily six years from now uh, AI will be so advanced that there will be nothing that is unhackable. You know, there was something along those lines because technology is emerging so fast, and that yeah, that's true. Uh, AI to us at one extreme, and uh, quantum computing at the other extreme, and uh, uh, everything in between, uh, including uh, blockchain and uh, uh, meta and uh, and uh, <laughs> VR and, uh, and. So I want to take all those things and go. Okay, this is what you've learned thirty plus years of industry experience to get to where you're at. And you've kind of played at every altitude and airspeed now having, you know, I want to get to the point where you uh, walk us through. I want to get to, um, I'm not speeding you through it, but I selfishly also want to get to, like, I want to understand your uh, passion for, you know, microgrids and the grid in general. And, you know, what happens when you have, you know, groups like Russia invade Ukraine and take over their, you know, power stations and Chernobyl or I don't know, but like, Right. How does all those things impact us in the data center space? So, like, keep carrying us through because I do think. I mean, there's there's going to be people that are listening to this. They're going to be like, "Wow, uh, we all knew EYP. I didn't know that they ever had a, a headwind. You know, they always seem to have a tailwind, and everything just seemed to be like rolling great for them. And the only challenge was finding people, not customers, right? So, good good problem to have as a business, right? So, but really, you got to this certain plateau, and then you decided, hey. Uh, there's people that have interest in investing in us, whether it's corporate America or private equity. You chose one path because you didn't want to compromise your culture, or the productivity that that culture right. created. And then take me back to that part where you're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And then how it led to, you know, I I worked uh, on the HP UIP team, right? So yeah, that's when we met the, the HP. Uh, yep. Um, yeah. Um, it was. By then it was uh, 
um, 2007, 2008. Uh, it was uh, um, it was time for us to uh, build this this great company. It, it was doing very well, both financially and in terms of uh, uh, reputation and uh, name recognition and so on. Global firm, and, uh, and uh, we decided it's it's time to um, to move on, and uh, um, we start talking to um, some companies. There are um, we positioned the company not like a design engineering firm, but more of an IT firm, a uh, combination consulting, uh, high high end consulting, and uh, uh, also uh, engineering firm, and uh, that resonated well with uh, some of the big players. Uh, and uh, you know there are several, quite a few uh, big names that uh, were interested in uh, in EYP and. Um, um, the rumor was like Dell and IBM were chasing you at the same time. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and a few other type of companies, but uh, but we were the real players were uh, these big technology companies, and uh, um, HP was uh, um, was the most aggressive, and uh, felt that um, he that um, HP is uh, the uh, the right player. Um, that was uh, Mark Hurd was the CEO at that time. Mark Hurd was uh, uh, CEO, and Livermore was instrumental. Uh, Paul Perez uh, was probably um, a key catalyst for this uh, this process, and um, and uh, it was it was a good marriage. Uh, um, I, uh, I made a commitment. I stayed uh, for four years. I really enjoyed my four, my four years at uh, HP. I uh, I met a lot of smart people. Uh, um, I was uh, the managing partner of uh, the consulting business uh, that uh, and focused on uh, data centers, but also energy, power, and sustainability. And th that was the first time I was really uh, in introduced to the concept of uh, sustainability. It was uh, we we didn't have the same the, the same um, uh, alarming. Um, Trends developing today about carbon and uh, and uh, green and uh, uh, global warming, but it was it, it was starting. It wasn't as prevalent then as it is it, now. It, you're saying, yeah, right. But uh, but it, it was starting to the early days, and uh, I um, got started to get exposed to to that. Uh, um, and uh, but also we continued the innovation. Uh, a lot of, we, we did a lot of interesting things. Uh, um, for instance, we are the first one. You know. Maybe maybe other people will argue that, but we I think we were the first one to develop uh, a modular data center, and I have uh, I have a patent on that. Is that uh, the Flex DC? Is that what it was? The Flex DC, yeah. It was. Uh, now everybody is doing something similar, but uh, that was the first one. Um, uh, I mean, the, the systems being developed today are better, but we we really. Uh, recognize early that this is the way the industry ought to go. Uh, you, you cannot, uh, you you have to um, to find ways to. Uh, why did you know that? Like, why? What was it? Was it uh, schedule? Was it cost? What? Uh, I mean, or was it? I don't know about. Yes, it was. It was. It was all of the above. It was. Uh, it was financial. It was uh, speed to the market. It was flexibility. It was uh, um, it was the fear of of over provisioning, which is so prevalent in this industry. Um, we we had to find a way to uh, to standardize 
industrialized if you want the whole the whole data center business uh, uh, historically for the longest time it was it was this custom built uh, uh, industry uh, uh, but but as the industry evolves matures um, um, grows it it got to the point where you cannot make every every new project a uh, custom project it has to be a lot more efficient uh, so that and that's why that's why we went from uh, 20 million dollars per megawatt to maybe 7 million dollars per megawatt then it's quite an evolution uh, <laughs> standardizing on yeah. building blocks now during that time like who was the first is, is like if you were to have to think back who you've known in this industry the longest who's still actively involved in this industry like who would it be did it uh the longest probably i, I don't know offend anybody here probably pete turner uh pete turner is there um nikki ellie that uh, um, started uh, was one of the first people i hired uh, um that are they still where are they at now like i know you have like how long have you known like uh, you know Kevin Timmons or you know Furlong or some of the like uh, these are these are younger younger guys but uh, uh, you know I met them I met them uh, my during my EYP days. when they were uh, EYP days. yeah it was Kevin uh, was a, you know dear friend of mine to this day is uh, uh, he was uh, running the the data center business for Yahoo and. Uh, um, uh, Tom Furlong, uh, um, he was at uh, Exodus, and he was he was such a such a wonderful wonderful uh, guy, and he helped me with some issues uh, during the dying days of uh, Equinix. Navy Academy, uh, of, uh, Exodus, but uh, not, not uh, Exodus. Tom's awesome. One of the most, you know. I, I always felt that like he and and Darren Daskrolls over there were some of the most unassuming humble people, right? Because um, yeah, yeah, they were at, just so nice at Equinix. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't know him at Equinix. I just knew him where they're at now, right? And I remember I would be sitting down with some small retail cola provider, and some guy would be screaming at us about something, and you're talking about like a quarter million dollar program or you know something that was small and. And he's pounding on his chest and reminding you that he's an enterprise. Yeah, I'm a data center operator. And then you go sit down with those guys that are, you know, spending billions of dollars on stuff, and they're trying to figure out how they can help you be successful in helping them, right? And right, you're like, right. wow, that's why I, I guess what makes these certain people better leaders is, I mean, there's a dichotomy there, right? Where I I learned that there are there's people in this space that are trying to be liked, some that are trying to be feared, and then those that are just trying to find some respect. And those ones that have the respect are the ones that seem to command the most loyalty. So watching these people lead was something that was awesome for me because I love this space. Most of my best friends come from this industry. I have friends that I served with in the military that are amazing and are super close. And I talk to guys that I used to wrestle with back in high school all the time. And But most of my strongest relationships are from my time that started in this space, right? And I gotta imagine that you have, like this isn't just what we do, this is part of our lifestyle, right? So for you, that's why I'm asking, like how far back do you go with some of these folks? And like, do you guys ever look at each other and be like, can you can you freaking believe where we're at and where we started? Because the, the industry wasn't that big then, right? I'm not trivializing it. And I'm not saying it's big now, right? I mean, it's still very ancestral and very small. Everyone knows each other, it seems like. But back then, the-, the yeah. Those conferences yeah, were probably way smaller, right? 
Yeah, yeah, they were smaller, but uh, uh, first of all, I, I don't think it's that that small. I mean, this is um, hundreds of billions of dollars uh, oh, no. in in uh, uh, in size. Uh, um, I think that uh, the world depends on without data centers. We will not be where we are uh, <laughs> without data centers. There's, there is no banking. There is no Facebook. There is no Google. There is no Amazon. There is no no e-commerce. No social no, media. No, yeah. People don't. Most people don't even know what a data center is. Uh, uh, they look at their phone and uh, they they assume that um, it's all there. It's coming through. A, Something in the sky called cloud. Uh, they they, uh, they have no no concept, and uh, to a certain degree, it's uh, it's our fault that uh, we didn't. Uh, um, so listen. So when people ask you, like, hey, so what do you do? Like, uh, you go and you meet your, you know, first time you met your future son-in-law, you know, and your daughter's like, hey, this is my father. He's an engineer, big old nerd. Uh, what do you guys design? And people are like, well, I, what do you tell people? What do you tell people that like help someone who's new that's in this space for the first time? They've been in this industry for a year and people are like, yeah, what are you doing? Like, well, I do data centers or some mm -hmm. area and people will look at them cross-eyed like, what's that? So what do you tell people? What do you tell people data centers are and what do you, like, how do you describe <laughs> it? Well, you know, talking about that, uh, my, my son-in-law, which is a great guy, I, my, we're very we're very fortunate. Uh, our kids are absolutely wonderful, and their spouses, uh, my sons and uh, my son-in-law and my daughter-in-law, are just uh, just beautiful, wonderful people. Uh, it just happened that my uh, uh, my son-in-law uh, uh, works for Facebook, uh, very successful there, and uh, uh, I think that uh, you know, not that I have any any <laughs> anything to do with it. He, He's wise. He did it all by himself, but he he was able to build to build a uh, uh, amazing career there because he kind of transitioned uh, uh, to uh, more more towards uh, the technology part of the business, more the the infrastructure part of the business. Uh, so uh, yeah, obviously uh, he's becoming quite interested in data center because it has a lot to do with uh, with what he does for a living. Um, so when I uh, when I talk to someone and uh, said, "What do you do?" and you know, usually I, I don't talk about I don't like to talk to, about myself very much. Um, so I'm just I'm an engineer, uh, but uh, uh, thank you. But um, you're welcome. Um, Explaining once what the data center is is not is it's complicated uh, in a way because unless you visualize the whole thing, uh, it's it's difficult to comprehend. Uh, say, uh, well, it's a room with computers. Oh, okay, I have a computer at home. Uh, is that what you tell people? I just build these big rooms with full of computers. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. Essentially, uh, in a in a nutshell, that's what it is, right? Uh, sure. Uh, there's a little bit more to it than <laughs> than that, uh, but uh, I think people are more interested in um, not what it is, but what it does. So, so why do you need a data center? Uh, um, and uh, um, you know, the explanation is that uh, that's where that's where the the, the whole digital world uh, meets that. Uh, uh, whether uh, is uh, is an, an email you send to uh, a friend of yours, or uh, um, or uh, you transfer uh, or money goes from uh, from your your job or your from your company. So they all, your they could all understand that. They, they, they all, understand. but it, everything has to go through a data center. Everything. 
uh, goes through a data center. It, it goes from one from one place to another with an email or a piece of information or uh, uh, some uh, or money or uh, whatever it is. It has to go through a data center. Uh, if you uh, you know all your all your uh, picture all your photos uh, uh, you know that you have on Facebook or uh, on Google, uh, where do they? Or what are they? Uh, <laughs> uh, so they are all. Everything is in a data center. So all it's uh, when uh, when you go to uh, to your bank and uh, uh, ask for your balance uh, or uh, wants to transfer some money. Uh, how does that happen? It's because it's all that stuff is in in a computer in a data center, and uh, these data centers have tens of thousands, uh, tens of thousands of these uh, computers called servers. Um, and the, then people start uh, uh, comprehending a little bit. Um, it's more, I think, it's more difficult. The, the concept of cloud is a little more difficult to uh, uh, to visualize. Um, but uh, but I think that uh, uh, I think it's much better than it used to be. I think that the the uh, the, the, the digital transformation. Uh, is becoming more more of a uh, um, accepted accepted concept than it was uh, a few years back. Uh, <coughs> if, uh, if you you know uh, if you give you an example, of what happens if uh, um, like you know a bank uh, lost the data centers uh, a couple of years ago and people could not get their money out of uh, ATMs or they, they didn't get their paycheck. Um, and a few other uh, important things, uh, you know, that's that's when it hits home. That's when people uh, start understanding how how important something like this is. And then uh, when there is a, a Facebook, you know, for for people that cannot ha have access to their uh, Facebook account, it's oh, this is the end of the world. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, can you imagine? Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, um, so that's why I'm you know I'm so passionate about uh, what I do and. Uh, uh, that's why I feel so fortunate that uh, that I chose, or or the destiny chose uh, <laughs> this career for me. We could have been uh, doing all kind of other things, but but uh, coming back to our discussion, uh, uh, when I was at HP, I discovered the the, the notion of uh, sustainability, and then and and then I joined a company called Bloom Energy because you know. Actually, after after my four years stint at uh, uh, HP, that was my commitment. And after four years, I I decided I'm ready to retire. And um, you know, I said, uh, you know, I, I I pay my dues. Uh, um, I don't need to work anymore. Uh, um, and I I was retired for almost two weeks. And then uh, <laughs> almost and two then, weeks. And then I realized that I cannot. Uh, that, that's not not for me. You know, you know. It's not that I don't have other things in my life. Uh, I, uh, my wife and I are very, you know, passionate about opera and ballet. Actually, I sit on the board of a ballet company, and uh, uh, I'm very proud of my art collection. I collect art, uh, and uh, uh, I play. Uh, I'm a passionate tennis player. Not very good, but very uh, passionate. How long have you been playing tennis? Because ever since uh, I've known you, you're always trying to make uh, better since I, since I was 30 years old. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I like it, but not not I'm not very good, probably, and I don't have the right genes. Um, 
I play golf, terrible golfer, horrible golfer. Yeah, take a number. But but what I'm saying is, I I have other things in my in my life, but uh, but still, it's not enough. So uh, after a few weeks, I decided I'm going to join this company called Bloom Energy because I felt that they they are one of these companies that could eventually change the world. By then, I I started to to get more and more into the whole the the whole issue of. Uh, climate change and uh, um, global warming and uh, carbon, I started to, to be really concerned about this ex existential threat to, uh, to mankind, to the, our planet. And, uh, you know, this is by no means a political statement. Uh, you know, some people believe in that, some people do not. Some people uh, don't think that it's such a big deal. Some people think that uh, is the end of the world. Uh, I think that, uh, um, you know, we have to be pragmatic and realistic about that. Uh, uh, but uh, even even if it's not 100%, maybe it's 90% uh, chance that uh, the world uh, will become a, a terrible place to live because of, uh, of this. It's worth uh, pursuing uh, work initiative that uh, will mitigate that uh, that risk. I mean, it's it's there's no question that there is a risk. So, um, so I, I became quite passionate about this and uh, um, data center in particular, although. Um, in the grand scheme of things, uh, obviously, transportation, automobiles, uh, aircrafts, uh, or uh, power plants, the coal power plants, the uh, oil uh, gas power plants uh, generate a lot more carbon than what data center consume. Uh, data center, probably of all the industries, are more keen on addressing this problem because because a lot of them are uh, a lot of these companies they're not called data center companies but essentially they are technology companies driven by their data, data centers whether it's uh, Google or Microsoft or Facebook or Amazon or Apple and a few others uh, uh, they are so visible they are so so in the uh, uh, in everybody looks at them uh, so they are probably the most aggressive uh, um, the most uh, the most dedicated uh, uh, companies when it comes to reducing their carbon footprint they they buy more renewable energy than anybody else if you look at the top 10 15 companies uh, uh, the vast majority of them are technology companies and uh, you know as i said other industry do more uh, 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 damage uh, to the environment in terms of carbon but uh, um, but um, uh, I, I think that uh, um, the data center industry is is more more keen on uh, uh, solving this problem, and I think that they can develop develop technology and processes that could benefit the rest of the the, the rest of the uh, the industries, the rest of the companies. Um, but um, um, since then, I start getting involved beyond beyond what I did at uh, Bloom. Uh, yeah, what are you doing now? Um, well, I know you're I'm on like uh, 37 boards, probably. Or, <laughs> well, I mean, you're involved with the industry probably at the highest level and the most touches. So, like, I know you have a a lot of groups that you support, right? Uh, yeah, um, I'm involved in probably too many companies, uh, uh, but uh, but I'm very passionate about. Uh, about new things, about innovation, things that could make a difference. So, um, 
you know, some of them have to do with, uh, with um, uh, sustainability and carbon. Some of them have to do with uh, improving the, um, the, the data center business. Uh, some of them have to do with uh, um, other, other type of technology that, um, you know, maybe adjacent to data centers, but re uh, related to uh, uh, technology and data centers. Most of them, most of my, my work and my involvement is related to, to, uh, to data centers, but in general about the technology. And, um, I, uh, I work with companies, uh, first of all, I work with companies and people that I like. I don't, uh, you know, that's one of the luxuries of being retired. Uh, uh, you you pick your uh, <laughs> you pick your work uh, uh, you you uh, you work with uh, people that uh, you respect and you like and uh, um, uh, for companies that do something that uh, you you feel that uh, it's either meaningful or important uh, or they're gonna are gonna be companies that will make a difference and uh, so it's a fairly broad uh, uh, range of uh, companies I'm involved with uh, whether it's um, um, a company that uh, is a revolutionary Revolutionizing the way the, the uh, distribution, power distribution, and data center is going to be done, and are going to uh, reduce the um, the amount of over provisioning, uh, the, all the money they spend and sitting idle there. Uh, is this what Dean gave the presentation on at yeah, DCAC? Yeah, 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 I work with I, I work with Dean Nelson, and uh, so for some of the folks that are listening that don't know that company, what's the name of that company? And it's and called. Uh, VPS virtual power systems, and uh, uh, it has, in my opinion, the most uh, the the, uh, the most important and the most useful new new technology that will improve uh, the way power is distributed and allocated in the in the in the data center. So there's there hasn't been a lot of innovation or evolution uh, when it comes to power distribution, and this is such a big 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 portion of uh, of the whole business uh, both fi financially or in terms of uh of contribution or reliability uh, so this will make a this will make a big difference in that. what so, will it do will ultimately like does it go through and check the blind spots of capacity that's um stranded maybe or something so it, it aggregates and collects something so that you're really only drawing a certain What's yeah, the, 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 the problem with the data center, data center, as I said before, they're expensive. They cost a lot of money. Uh, and probably, on average, no more than 40% of the capacity of the data center is used. Uh, there are redundancy, over, over redundancies. There are buffering uh, having to do with spikes in demand uh, and computing power. Uh, required uh, and that that makes the data center itself a very inefficient way to uh, to allocate capital uh, uh, and uh, by um, by optimizing this process by finding ways to to uh, reduce or eliminate these these Waste. buffers uh, by finding ways to uh, to monetize. Uh, all this capacity that it's uh, sitting in reserve, maybe used uh, once every five years, uh, 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 by by monetizing that, because you have the ability to uh, to do some dynamic allocation of power in terms of SLA or reliability expectation, uptime expectation. Uh, you can you can really improve improve the utilization. You you don't have to to 
build that much uh, uh, capacity, uh, minimize the amount of new construction that needs to be uh, taken place, uh, uh, certainly improve uh, the bottom line, especially for co-location companies, but for other type of uh, uh, data center businesses. So it has a whole slew of benefits. It's, uh, it's, I think it's a remarkable, it's a remarkable um, uh, innovation, and uh, it's going to have a big impact uh, in, in our business. What are other things like that? I mean, it seems like that. Does that take up a lion's share of your retirement time dedication? Or are you focused more of... Um, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, I'm trying to uh, split my time and all kind of other things. Well, there's a company, for instance, which I uh, think is uh, very... Um, I find very important, uh, critical, a company that uh, has developed a technology to address one of the biggest problems we have, which is uh, energy storage. Until we're going to uh, resolve the energy storage issue, especially at the grid level, uh, storage that will enable uh, utilities or maybe hyperscale data centers to store gigawatts worth of uh, uh, power for weeks or so. Uh, is this for like peak shaving? Why do they want no, to do this? Peak well, it's uh, think of uh, um, what happened here in, in Texas uh, a year oh, during ago. During the winter, um, the reliability of the grid is deteriorating very rapidly. I mean, it's uh, it's the aging of the grid. It's uh, <clears throat> it's the global warming. Ironically, even a proliferation of renewable energy <clears throat> that <clears throat> that has the potential to. Um, to increase the instability of the grid, all the way to some disasters like uh, Fukushima or Sandy or Katrina or um, the danger of cyber attacks. All these things make, uh, uh, make the danger of, uh, of uh, grid uh, infrastructure the need for, to find ways to, to protect that. But, uh, but also, even more importantly, how do you leverage the benefits of renewable energy? Uh, we were able uh, to uh, develop uh, solar power plants and wind mills that are uh, very efficient, and uh, the cost has been going dramatically. Um, when, when I started this, uh, at the beginning of my career, uh, uh, the, the cost for uh, uh, per peak watt was over ten dollars. Now it's one dollar. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> no kidding. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's an extraordinary uh, price reduction. But the fact that uh, you have sun. Or power generated by the uh, the photovoltaic panels for six hours a day, uh, you still have to you still have to uh, keep the lights on for the remaining eighteen hours or so. So right now, right now we are what we're doing now. We're uh, we're shutting down uh, a lot of the coal power plants. We're shutting down some of the nuclear power plants and uh, replacing them with renewable power, which is which is a positive thing, but but in order to uh, to account for all the energy required uh, when the wind is not blowing and the sun is not shining, um, we're using the, these peaker power plants. The peaker power plants are all natural gas plants uh, because um, natural gas power plants can be brought uh, 
brought up into service uh, relatively fast, quickly to respond to to demands. Uh, a base load power uh, power uh, plant like a coal power plant or nuclear power plant, it's very. It takes a long time to to bring it up, uh, full power, days. Uh, so um, you, so this you don't grid storage is so so you have to find a way to uh, to uh, to support the low uh, peaks. Uh, to support the um, the uh, the world while uh, uh, this renewable, uh, so the only way to do that is is finding storage as uh, a, a way to store energy, large quantity of. Uh, right now, it's all done using um, lithium-ion batteries, but uh, but that's not the answer. There's not not enough enough of them. They are too expensive, uh, and the whole the whole lithium binary business is driven by by automotive by Teslas and uh, other electric cars that's that's what uh, what the drive is not uh, not stationary uh, battery system although although there are there are uh, storage uh, uh, facilities energy storage uh, using uh, lithium ion batteries but there is a lot of interest interesting work that uh, we're uh, attempting to to find a replacement for that and this is the company I was mentioning here that I'm involved with um, uh, it's called uh, uh, energy internet corporation that uh, has developed uh, a amazing new technology using uh, uh, compressed air um, stored in uh, what's it called again uh, compressed air is like a UPS energy, energy internet Co uh, corporation that's the name of the company and uh, it it has developed a unique uh, uh, technology to compress air using a water piston and this is a isothermal compression um, it keeps the temperature pretty constant between uh, between the compressed uh, 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 level and uh, uh, in free air and um, so that's uh, um, the ability to to compress air and then release it uh, and uh, move a, a turbine and generate electricity uh, will provide as I said gigawatts worth of, uh, of power and um, and stored energy for days or weeks um, so um, that could be used uh, for uh, for grid level storage, so that uh, uh, the utilities can use that kind of stored energy to compensate for for uh, uh, the lack of uh, power delivered by uh, renewable uh, energy sources, or it could be used for uh, for a data centers that wants to be 100% uh, green. And uh, um, you know, there are there are projects right now using uh, renewable energy with with batteries, but but uh, with lithium battery you cannot really uh, provide more than four hours or so, approximately four hours of storage. What you do is the remaining uh, fourteen hours or so. So this would be a solution. And uh, this company also has other uh, other products in in the works. Uh, something called liquid air which is a very interesting technology that uh, uh, will compress the air to the point uh, that it becomes liquid and uh, and then uh, when uh, the transition from liquid to to air to to gas occur the the volume increases by a factor of 700 so now you can you can um, move a turbine and uh, generate electricity that way it has benefits in terms of uh, uh, hydrogen uh, hydrogen compression uh, that will also benefit uh, the whole transition to the hydrogen economy. So what's the barrier to seeing, like, 
if you were to sit down, Peter, having started, you know, when the industry was officially starting, and now seeing that we're up against, um, I mean, you saw the 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 first few major upticks in this industry in terms of like, you know, the the, the release of the internet and then, you know, mobile devices and you know everyone with a home PC and. And now we're talking about, you know, uh, AR and VR and AI, and you have, uh, you know, autonomous driving vehicles, you have drone technology, you have all the, you know, Bitcoin, and and you have all these things. Like, and I want to go through all those in, in, we could probably talk about this all day, but at the same time, you have these new emerging technologies that are really geared at being more, uh, more sustainable. I'm not sure about what they do from a reliability perspective, but on the sustainability perspective, you're doing the right thing as a steward of, you know, our overall planet. But I don't know how those things pencil out. What do you do when they don't, when, when those technologies don't advance fast enough to be economically efficient to solve a very scaling challenge that exists? Like right now, like I'd be interested to understand what you think our greatest threats are in the space, right? But you have, I mean, uh, real estate is limited, right? We're seeing that in Virginia right now, you know, as people are migrating south, you know, even looking at huge campuses, either, you know, north, you know, closer to Maryland or is further south, you know, south of Manassas. Um, but you're seeing all these emerging markets, you know, secondary markets where, I mean, who would have thought that Salt Lake City when you first started would be as big or even Phoenix, quite frankly. And those are major markets now, right? So you have, we're running out of of land in certain places or it just isn't, um, it's uh, not very cost efficient to go into certain markets now, uh, either because the land is too expensive or the power is or, but you have these huge things that are just on the horizon right now. So like, I would imagine since we started, we've hit two major plateaus, right? And now we're getting ready to hit, in my opinion, another really, massive sprawl right as people just continue to adopt more technology and you know more eyeball content and video caching and e-commerce and streaming and what's going to happen will that technology keep up or catch up fast enough to be able to really help i could see how it helps an enterprise right because an enterprise um they're investing more into those things because they have their uh their data centers aren't I mean, they're cost centers. I mean, they're really right. there to help them generate revenue, the vehicle under the, you know, the engine or the hood. But if you're a data center owner operator, those people, I'm not going to say are more sophisticated than the enterprise end users, but they are armed to the teeth because they know exactly what that product is supposed to do. And that, they're the ones that we're spending all that time with you, the engineers, trying to get from 20 million a meg down to sub six, right? And they're trying to figure out how do we what's the diminishing return for them to where they've driven that down enough to where now there's no more gains in efficiency found on sustainability or there's they're doing something that's so advanced there's not enough talented people that could keep up with the requirements to operate i mean like what are some of the things that you're seeing because i mean you sit on a ton of boards or advisory committees and panels of every kind and you know i i saw those uh, images on linkedin you, you guys the the infrastructure masons founders like you get to be in orbit with all these people that are actually, you know, doing some, they're making those decisions that are having the, you know, some of the biggest impacts on the industry, all the way down to the manufacturers and the labor forces. So when you see these things come together, like, what are your thoughts? Like, what do you see the next 
transformation be in? What are the things that you're concerned about if you're investing in your, you know, the future of your career into helping lead, you know, these sustainability-based things that are finding efficiencies and eliminating waste and and what are you going to do when the demand is even greater than what we've ever had in the past? You know, like what's going to be compromised? Well, um, yeah, I think you, you said it all. <laughs> um, first of all, yeah, it's it's these are exciting times. Uh, if you look at uh, how how rapidly the evolution and transform digital transformation is occurring, uh, you know, we're now talking about. Uh, uh, the next industrial revolution. We're talking about uh, the web 3.0. Uh, we, we're talking about uh, um, the new internet. Uh, I mean, all these things, and they are happening so fast. Uh, in in, uh, in the past, uh, I don't know. It took uh, um, 50 years for the automobile to to really uh, becoming becoming uh, um, ubiquitous. Uh, uh, it took uh, ten years for the television to uh, to become uh, so popular that it's in every home. Now, uh, now things happen in six months or a year, and uh, and th there is there is this rapid rapid evolution. And I, I look at the data center industry, and I've never you know said uh, been here in this business for a long time. I've never seen growth like this. And sustained growth, and and look at uh, some of these companies. What what they are planning to do, the the, the magnitude, the size of that, and uh, it's it's all predicated upon upon all these these things occurring. Uh, uh, but there is uh, the the metaverse uh, or the the, uh, the blockchain uh, um, uh, industry, and you know one of the companies I'm very keen on. Uh, I work with. Uh, has developed the the uh, the infrastructure uh, that will uh, enable blockchain to be what a blockchain ought to be uh, a global uh, um, distributed ledger uh, with computers global uh, with a global distribution. Uh, it's uh, but in the same time, um, you see all these other you see these threats and uh, nothing more. More uh, um, critical than uh, than uh, this um, carbon thing that uh, um, you know it's it's really an existential threat and uh, when you build uh, um, you know hundreds and hundreds of uh, megawatts actually probably the next five years in terms of data center alone we're gonna see I would say at least. 10 to 15 gigawatts worth of uh, data center being built. That's uh, globally. Globally, yeah. What do you think most of that will be outside the U.S.? Um, you know, um, about over 45 percent of all the data centers are in the United States, but the the uh, the next big destinations are uh, overseas, uh, uh, Southeast uh, Asia uh, is going to be. Uh, it's growing very rapidly. It's going to be very big. Uh, Africa. Um, you know, really. All Africa, you know, look at look at Africa. The population one billion by twenty fifty is going to be three billion. Uh, so um, you see, in how are they going to have enough power? Yeah, that's that's right. But uh, but like anything else, they don't use telephone lines. They use cellular. They're going to bypass the uh, uh, the uh, the traditional the traditional uh, um, power architecture that uh, uh, is is so prevalent in in the world, and they're going to go probably directly to 
a distributed concept, a distributed generation, on-site generation, microgrids, and uh, things of that nature. Uh, it's a uh, it's a very it's a very interesting dynamic uh, that uh, um, uh, will will uh, penetrate uh, um, every aspect of uh, of our civilization. Um, you know, you can take any any example. Uh, cryptos, uh, as you know, m most people think that's a, or they think back. A lot of people think that uh, that uh, there might be just uh, uh, it's pure speculation. It's a fad and it's going to disappear. But uh, one thing is very clear to me, at least, uh, is that uh, the, the the fundamental concept that says behind uh, cryptos is blockchain and that's something that is gonna is gonna radically change the way the, the way we do things in this world anything from from the way the, the bank of the future is going to look like the way we uh, we do transaction all the way to i don't know elections for instance uh <laughs> i mean every everything uh, um uh, nfts uh, you know uh they they came around uh Oh, a year ago, and now they are, uh, everybody talks about NFTs. But the point I'm trying to make is everything comes back to the data center. Everything, yeah. uh, the data center is is the fundamental component of any kind of... Uh, every business. Of every business of every uh, digital transformation occurring in the world. Um, and coming back to what we discussed before about uh, the, the data center technology companies being so so um, aggressively uh, reducing their carbon footprint, you know, data centers probably t today don't don't generate more than maybe three percent of the, the total carbon, and that includes it includes traditional conventional data centers and the mining operation for bitcoin that's probably half of the energy uh uh used for uh, data center is uh, is really? for bitcoin uh, for mining which is amazing in such a short period of time even with all the miners being kicked out of china and now looking for why homes. was that well i, I were they just stressing the grid uh, I don't think it was a stress in the grid. Uh, that was one of the factors, but I, I think it has more, more to do about uh, um, centralized control of the uh, of the currency. Uh, in governments, you know, many governments are not very keen on uh, on uh, cryptos simply because uh, uh, it's it's a, uh, a a way to bypass the the, the central banks. And I think that that's, that was uh, behind it. But uh, um, and then um, the, the telcos, the telecommunication piece of uh, of IT takes probably you know, twice as much. But altogether, maybe three, three and a half percent of the carbon. And uh, you know, the cement industry alone takes about seven percent of. Uh, oh wow! So. Uh, you know, you don't hear uh, uh, people, people talking saying. too much about uh, uh, about how much carbon uh, the cement industry does, but everybody talks about the fact that uh, um, I don't know Facebook builds all these data centers and, uh, uh, and uh, pollutes the uh, the environment. And uh, when they're uh, really not, 
there's creating uh, jobs. Yeah, of course. They, I mean, they, all these companies are doing a remarkable, remarkable work uh, for sure uh, uh, for for doing that. Um, but um, um, as I said, it's a process. Uh, it's it's going to take a while for uh, uh, for uh, the, the the world to to transform itself and. Uh, uh, and it's not only carbon, but it's uh, it's water. It's uh, uh, is uh, um, connectivity. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, that that's yeah, without question. That's a big big issue. Um, so, um, what do you see as some of the bigger trends then? When when you guys uh, are sitting around behind the green curtain of Oz, you're deciding what's going to happen in this space in the next five years what are you what are you guys anticipating seeing like do you see something breaking through like a trend of some kind that's huge like right now the big trend amongst these hyperscalers right is that they're like uh either we'll ditch the generators or we'll ditch the ups's or you know they're just trying to scale back to minimize you know everything's metroactive replication on the network now so they don't need all this bulletproof utility infrastructure or the the stress on the infrastructure itself will be in question. Maybe that's why they're going that direction. But yeah, I, I think the the, the the biggest trends I see uh, are um, a, um, a much more um, modular type of uh, infrastructure at every level. Uh, I, I, I see um, an effort, and this uh, is an interesting, interesting thing. Very early, in, in my opinion, but I, I see this this happening. I think that uh, um, the data center uh, is is trying to become an int integral part of the community, uh, as opposed to be this isolated uh, uh, thing that uh, sits in the middle of nowhere and uh, is uh, isolated from everything else. Building data centers uh, and uh, having it. Interact with the with the the community, the town, the city, in terms of uh, in terms of uh, using the heat generated by the data center, using uh, uh, the water uh, uh, that uh, it's used there, uh, in terms of uh, uh, becoming a uh, a uh, recovery center, uh, uh, using the power that is available there to protect against um, certain incidents, using the, uh, the the power stored in the data center as for demand response, for frequency regulation. So for making each data center like it's a little microgrid, like a yeah, closed transition yeah, co-gen. My, microgrid, but also integrated in the in the community. I mean, that's I, I think that's going to be an, a, a very interesting uh, evolution in the in the whole Trajectory of uh, of uh, data center transformation. Um, I think that uh, um, um, you know power uh, and microgrids and uh, um, having um, these data center having full control of their power destinies. Uh, it's an important thing. Right now, um, I'm working with a project in various parts of the world and. Uh, um, there are moratorium. Uh, you cannot you cannot get power in Ireland, for instance. A lot right. of companies go there. Right? Uh, there is a lot a lot of companies want to be in in Ireland you know, with their data center for a number of reasons, but they cannot build anything because there, there is no Ireland power. Ireland we're out. Yeah. So they need to find other uh, other ways. Uh, well, they didn't that. say they're out. They just said they're out in Dublin, right? So AirGrid and them are going to try to figure out how they could open up some power on the other side of the island 
It's a couple of it's different gonna parts. It's going to take years. Uh, uh, it's going to take years. Um, it's 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 complicated. But you know, people uh, go around find ways around it. They're building um, their own power plant using uh, recepts or uh, fuel cells. Uh, um, look at Singapore. They they had a data center built moratorium that uh, is now almost two years old uh, because because they felt that. Uh, um, they don't have to take too much power. That uh, they also have a big impact on uh, on carbon, and uh, it's going to be lifted at one point. Uh, but uh, the government there is very keen on uh, on developing a set of regulation that uh, will uh, uh, mitigate uh, the impact of the data center. So that's yeah. what I was trying to figure out: is like, what are the trends? Like, you're reading the tea leaves. You're trying to get to where the puck is going, right? So. If someone's listening to this and they're like, how do I pivot my business to be able to be in a position like your story, you know, was you came over here with a chip on your shoulder and you're hungry and you didn't have much and you were just going to be successful no matter what. And you rose to the highest level of this industry globally recognized like that. And then you have other people that are following behind you, right? Someone else is showing up here and they have the same They're you, you know, years ago. And, you know, my, my thing for them is, is like, where is the industry heading now, right? And where should they go if they want to get ahead of it? Or, if, you know, if you're trying to figure out how to position yourself or your business to where you could have more than your fair share of the opportunities as the market continues to evolve, what's your advice? What are your, what, you know, what, what are your, what, now based on your input or your predictions of some of the things you're going to see, and what's your advice to those people that are getting into the industry for the first time? Um, well, uh, <laughs> you know what the, uh, I think that, uh, Niels Bohr said that, uh, uh, prediction is very difficult, especially when it has to do with the future. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish I would have, uh, 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 a way to, uh, to predict, uh, to predict the future. But, uh, um, I think that, um, Specifically about this business is uh, a, it's bigger in size, so uh, uh, big is important here. And uh, you know now, you know there is a data center that is being built in uh, uh, somewhere in Asia that uh, is going to be on data center eight hundred megawatts. <laughs> Oh, I was telling you that uh, well, when I biggest. started building data center, there were two megawatts. Sure. <laughs> um, so th this trend uh, continues, and you see some some of these big projects uh, finding ways to reduce energy. Energy efficiency is uh, is kind of uh, approaching uh, the level of diminishing return. I mean, the PUE is. Uh, Approaching 1.1 and even below point, uh, point 0.1 at, at certain location around, the, not in Singapore, not in Miami, but in other places around the world. Uh, uh, you know, the, this uh, energy efficiency uh, uh, innovation uh, got to a point where you cannot go much, much more efficient than it, it is. But reducing energy now, that's a different thing. Uh, I think that. Uh, um, Cooling uh, the data center is going to is clearly going to higher densities, uh, and uh, um, 
different kind of uh, of cooling that are more efficient, that are more environmentally friendly, uh, and then uh, that uh, uh, are less exp uh, ex uh, expensive, uh, are are a way to to address that. And uh, whether immersion cooling or uh, or direct chip cooling, uh, uh, cold plate cooling, uh, or uh, some other hybrid uh, configuration is uh, is a very interesting. A lot of people work in that domain. I think that uh, um, finding the um, the the right energy energy storage solution is going to have an enormous impact. Uh, interesting. And, uh, whether whether is a new kind of uh, solid-state battery, or uh, glass battery, or uh, flow battery, or uh, liquid metal battery. Um, uh, I think that uh, finding a way to bridge the gap between between power and energy when it comes to storage, using uh, something, uh, uh, you know, graphene for example. Graphene is this miracle material that will enable uh, a um, a equivalent of an ultra capacitor to um, to have enough capacitors are very good power devices they are not very good energy devices a battery on the other hand is a great energy devices but uh, in terms of power they are rather lousy uh, yeah. sluggish uh, but finding a way to 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 uh, uh, develop a solution that uh, that has both uh, power and energy stored. Now that's going to be the holy grail of the storage energy, and I think graphene uh, will, will probably be the the answer there. <coughs> uh, I think that uh, hydrogen has indeed uh, um, uh, a future, <coughs> unless unless uh, we we finally break uh, the. Uh, uh, the the glass ceiling of uh, of fusion energy, and we finally uh, able to. Do you uh, see that coming? Is that on the horizon? You know what they said about fusion. Uh, it's uh, it's the technology of the future, and will always be the technology <laughs> of the future. Uh, um, it's uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be done in thirty years, and it's always going to be done in thirty years. <coughs> um, yeah, I think that uh, that it's uh, for the first time. Uh, in a long time, I see uh, significant progress there, um, and uh, but but even even with that, it's going to take a long time, many years until uh, you can bring a um, build build uh, uh, sufficient uh, uh, fusion power plants to to uh, feed the enormous energy appetite of the of the world. Uh, well, the, well, besides all that technology, like, what's your favorite part of this whole industry, like? You got to have some crazy stories, having been around for the, the best part for me, the people. Uh, I uh, uh, I built so many friendships, just like you, like just like you said. Uh, uh, when I decide to retire, more or less, uh, um, the one of, one of the main reasons why I'm staying still active is because. Um, I like the people I work with. I really enjoy the the friendship, the camaraderie I've built over the years with these people, and uh, um, my my relationships, my uh, uh, my friendships, my uh, contacts in this industry are enormously important to me. And uh, uh, once again, um, and the other thing is that uh, this industry has been so good to me. Um, 
gave me so much. Uh, it's time for me to give something back. And that's why I'm involved with a lot of um, enterprises uh, and uh, organizations that are, you know, not for profit. Uh, um, I'm uh, on the board of the Institute of Environment and Sustainability associated with uh, UCLA. I'm on the board of uh, advisory board for uh, Lyle School of Engineering, uh, uh, associated with um, SMU uh, University of uh, Southern, Southern Methodist, that has a data center program, uh, probably the first, the first program uh, in uh, a major college that uh, prepares students for a career in data data center business. It's uh, pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. Very, very involved with, uh, you know, I Masons and other uh, mentoring. And I, I really, I, I'm really passionate about helping this industry evolve and grow. And uh, um, um, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that uh, uh, there are no, I don't see more people transitioning to this industry. Probably, you know, it's our fault to a certain degree that uh, we didn't do enough to promote we can't even explain to people what we do. <laughs> people are like, what do you do? I'm like, data centers. They're like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, it's tough. Every time you do it, it's like a whole new narrative too sometimes. You're trying to work on it. But but you're right. I mean, it's the um, how do people that have either just got into this space or those that are thinking about getting into this space. Like, I like to always, when we when it's time to bring it home, and I'm sensitive to your schedule, I know you're flying back out in a little bit. But um, that is one of the things is like, what would be your advice to those people that want to be in this space? Why would they want to leave if they are engineers and got a degree in something else and they could go get into uh, you know, health, life science, or industrial commercials, some other kind of engineering? Why would they want to put their career or invest their career into this space? Oh, I think that uh, it's it's more dynamic. It's more interesting. I think that uh, it's. Uh, it's transforming itself more often than any other industry. I think that uh, um, it's it's an industry that is going to be around for a long time. I think that, uh, um, and even from uh, a career standpoint, I think that uh, the compensation is higher in this. Uh, that's important for uh, uh, recent graduates uh, or uh, or uh, kids that uh, are uh, in you know freshman or uh, sophomore in college. Uh, um, it's a uh, it's it's an industry that uh, um, it's global. It uh, gives you opportunities to work in uh, in many places, uh, uh, and uh, it, it's a very broad in terms of scope. You can be an electrical engineer, or a mechanical engineer, or an environmental engineer. You can be a computer science uh, engineer. You can you can specialize in cybersecurity or in fire protection. I mean, there are so many components to these. Uh, um, and that's what's one of the things that makes it difficult. Uh, um, most engineers are specialized in a certain you know, a certain discipline, uh, whether electrical or mechanical, or whatever. But but uh, uh, but to, to be a real a real star in this industry, you have to have a broad view of uh, all the components, all the elements that uh, that comprise 
uh, a, a data center industry. And you know this. I mean, you're, uh, with what you do, you have to be involved in so many, so many building blocks of uh, of uh, of a data center. So, what is uh, you know, physical, the physical uh, elements, but uh, also the electrical distribution and the, the cooling and uh, fire protection and security and monitoring and BMS and uh, and uh, uh, um, um, operations and maintenance, and I mean, there is. Uh, there, it's it's uh, maybe I'm a, a little subjective here, but I think it's more interesting uh, of all engineering uh, d disciplines. Uh, you could be sure you can be a scientist. You can work for uh, JPL or uh, uh, SpaceX, and uh, uh, you know those are also <laughs> great career path. But uh, but this is uh, I think that. Uh, uh, this is broader in scope and uh, gives you gives a, a, a young uh, young uh, potential uh, candidate uh, a much many more many more options and uh, and career path. So, would be your advice though? So that's great advice for folks that are like um, maybe in the last year of school or something, and they're trying to figure out which path to kind of go down. What about those that have gotten into this space? They were here for a year or two, and they. I mean, they kind of came in maybe towards the tail end of, you know, COVID and the world was a dumpster fire. So they never really got a chance to kind of see the whole, like I've always found like the industry is small because you would go to the, you know, there's a certain amount of events that you could go to trade shows, conferences, whatever. And you could kind of see those, not the same people every time, but you kind of start rolling in your own little herd or your own little pack. So maybe having started here, at a time in which things were completely not normal, right? Because the industry, right. it didn't shut down. I mean, we were we were growing dramatically throughout COVID, right? But um, they didn't get a chance to see the industry while it was you know in full stride. Uh, what's your advice to those that are here now? If it if it's anything different than hey, listen, I agree with you. I, I've I've always tried to explain to people, um, you know, without one of our brands, you know, we we're bringing on folks all the time and I get the opportunity to meet these people that are coming into the industry for the very first time. And I'm always fascinated to talk to them about like, Hey, so what made you pick this or that? And, and, um, I, I tell them that there, I've never seen a space reinvent itself as aggressively or as often as ours does. Right, right. And to that end, that's why I've always felt like experience is great, but willingness or hunger to learn, you know, aptitude and desire to want to always be evolving. That's even more important, you know? And, and the advice, you know, that I have for people that have been around for a year, when I talk to them, I say, if this was baseball, I'd like to think of myself as someone who's played every position on the infield and most of the positions on the outfield at some point in my career, right? So you're right. You get to do a lot of cool things. I get to work for a lot of cool companies, right? Um, those people that are here, you know, what's your advice to them? Like, hey understand the space or become a subject matter expert what you're doing first or just get out there and start you know introducing yourself and well my my, my advice would be uh, stay relevant uh stay nice stay current just like you said the, this industry is changing so rapidly there's so much going on every day uh if you're not if you don't keep up you become obsolete very quickly uh the, the key here is to 
as much as possible, stay current, uh, uh, read, uh, go to conferences, uh, maybe publish. Uh, that's the theme of this whole podcast, stay relevant. That's going to have to be, that's awesome. Yeah. Stay relevant. That's that's the most important thing. Build build your own brand. Build your own uh you can only build it if you if uh, if you really uh, can can give something, you can produce something. You, um, it's uh, it's not easy. I mean, if you look at the number of publication, number of uh, articles, uh, uh, but also if you look at how many how many things are changing uh, on a weekly basis in terms of technology and. Uh, innovations and uh, new products and regulation and um, you can uh, it's not uh, like uh, you uh, you learn something in school you start working and uh, you, you do the same repetitive things and you're very good at that but that's it here uh, unless uh, in three years you uh, unless you you adapt and adjust uh, you're gonna become uh, redundant uh, so um, and, and also, you know, I mean, it's easier said than done, but try to be the best at what you do. I mean, try to uh, to uh, uh, to uh, show your coworker and your boss and uh, your uh, your peers in the industry that uh, you are a forward thinker, that you uh, you're uh, you're on cutting edge, and uh, you you identify uh, um, new. new New products, new technologies, new solutions, and uh, uh, you bring them with you to your workplace and uh, what, whatever, whatever you do. It's a. Uh, um, I, I think that makes makes your professional life a lot more interesting and exciting. And uh, you know, it might not be everybody's cup of tea, uh, uh, but uh, but if you really want to be successful in this business. You have to work on it. You you have to, and when I'm saying work on it, not necessarily do your job, but work on it and and, and building and, and building your your portfolio of knowledge. <clears throat> so, do you have uh, do you have any regrets? Is there anything that you've done in your time in this space where you've like, if I go back, like one of the things that someone had asked me once about you is there like. Uh, did he ever think, do you think that he ever wanted to be like a CEO of a data center operator? And I was like, you know, it's interesting. I was like, I've never talked to you about that, but like, is there anything that you haven't done that you wish that you did? Or is there anything you did that you're like, man, I wish I could have sidestepped that one? Um, yeah, of course, there are, there are a few things, but, uh, but in the same time, more importantly, I think is that uh, I have to be thankful for for what this uh, uh, industry gave me, and uh, you know, I look. Uh, life is. Uh, <laughs> there are many other things in life that matter. So you know, I was very fortunate because, because my family, because my kids, because they're my grandkids, because their their families. I mean, that's probably the most important thing in anybody's life. And uh, um, but if you if you find if you if you find some, something that you like that you're passionate about i mean that's probably the the, the greatest uh, the, the greatest thing that uh, one can get other than than, than the joy of uh, your family but uh, but uh, um, you know most most people at, uh, at my age uh, 
play bingo and uh, um, uh, move to Florida, uh, uh, waiting to die there. Uh, uh, but I, I'm not ready to do that yet. <laughs> it's just uh, uh, there are so too many too many exciting things out there that uh, yeah, uh, too much fun. <laughs> so, all right. Well, look. Uh, as we wrap it up, I guess what I'll do is. I always love to share, I share advice that you give me sometimes and you probably don't remember all the times, but like I, I think if I had to, I could remember the very first advice that you gave me was years ago, it was like DCD, New York City, it was the Avenue of the Americas, it was Mark Ascalisi, I think may have introduced us and, and I asked you for advice, I think, and you probably don't remember this, but you're like, uh, be careful of the toes you step on today, this industry, because one day they may be connected to the ass you'll have to kiss. <laughs> and then um, when you came out for DCAC Live uh, last September, remember, uh, I just randomly bumped into you in the restaurant before you were grabbing a quick bite. You just landed, and I was trying to make the rounds real quick, and I ran up to you. I'm like, Peter, quick, before I forget, give me some advice. And your advice that day was help everybody you can. Never uh, ask anything in return. And never ask anything in return, and no matter what you do, don't ever fuck anybody over. And I was like, damn, still rocking that advice. So my question for you before I let you go then is, what's your advice for me now? Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm in a position to. You're such a successful guy, and uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm honored. Uh, it's a privilege for me to be your friend. Uh, I think that you built such a great career, and I think that... Uh, uh, you know, in in a relatively short period of time, you're still very young, and uh, um, I think that uh, um, you just uh, uh, the business you built uh, is very successful. I think it's a tough business. Uh, there's a lot of competition, but uh, you you're able to uh, to carve a niche for yourself, uh, uh, and uh, in such a competitive business, you have done very well. And uh, I think that uh, the fact that uh, a you are um, uh, growing this business, but at the same time, you're building this relationship and contacts, and pretty much everybody who knows you likes you. I mean, that's a, uh, that's a very important thing uh, because you never know when you're going to need help from someone. And, uh, and being a real friend and being loyal and being uh, supportive, as I discussed before, it's very important. Uh, um, you, you can never do, do it all by yourself. You always, no matter what, you're always going to need friends. You're always going to need support, and uh, you, you you're going to get it only if uh, if these people genuinely uh, want to do it. Because either you you have done something for them, you help them, or uh, you because your personality. So I think that uh, I, all I can say is uh, um, uh, I can predict the future here. You're going to be very. You're going to continue to be very successful, and you're going to build a great business. Well, listen, Peter, I appreciate it, and it's an honor to have you here. It's a privilege to be able to spend so much time with you. I know that everyone's always trying to get a little bit of your time, and you were so generous to give so much of it to us today. So, to that end, salute to the uh, McAllen 18. Yep. And uh, so much, so much fun to sit down and talk with you. I, I really do great. enjoy every moment. So, thank you again, and. Thank you to uh, all of you that decided to listen. I hope that there was something that you took away from this podcast where like every time I talk to these people, I, I learned so much more about their backgrounds. Like I had no idea you showed up with 50 bucks in your pocket and had a windfall. 
like imagine that you should have showed up with 500 in your pocket and got another 500 and i'm just saying but, uh, <laughs> no, it does fit at 50 <laughs> but this amazing story and i appreciate it i hope that maybe someone's listening maybe someone else has showed up to the country and get into this industry and they don't have much either but well, they're inspired yeah. by your story and they they have an impact you know the great thing for me is i uh as opposed to most other people i really do appreciate what i got i really do appreciate what i have and uh um i uh a lot of people take this country and uh, their life for granted but uh, there is no free lunch in this world and once again uh, uh i uh, I, I was very fortunate. I was very fortunate because, because I was able to come to this country. I was very fortunate because this industry embraced me, and I was very fortunate because I was able to, to build a career. And very fortunate because I got such a great family. So, yeah, man, we're, you're very blessed, man. There's no doubt. If I if I only can get my golf and tennis game to go. Then I will. <laughs> Something tells me you're probably a scratch golfer. My with no. my luck, he's probably just lying. No. Well, listen. Thanks again, Peter, and thank you for all the listeners. And uh, man, I really enjoyed this session. I hope everyone else did too. So for you that are listening to this on your morning workouts or on your drive back and forth, take the time to uh, you know really process this stuff. And the advice I'd give you is stay relevant. Thank thanks, you. Peter. Appreciate thank it. You.